Hello, Dave. Hello, Ollie. How are you doing? <laughs> Fine, thank you. I'm uh, I'm in the middle of moving house, so surrounded by boxes and um, and a boomy acoustic. Apologies about that. There may also be some drilling and unscrewing going on in the background, but I'm sure our listeners can cope with that. Welcome, listener, to Sustainababble, a little podcast about the environment and politics and how it's all so confusing and why can't people just be clear? What have we got coming up this week, Dave? Well, it's St George's Day as we record this podcast, which is the annual festival of uh, people with skinheads waving the English flag around like some sort of meathead. So we're going to be looking at nationalism and whether or not nationalism is a good or a bad thing for the environment. Uh, We've also going to poke our little fingers into Earth Day, which was a thing that happened this week. Listeners will remember Earth Day. Hour, so uh, this is what 24 times the babble or something like that. We've got uh, one of the most notorious uh, Inhoffs around who's finally cropping up in our Inhoff corner, and Ollie gets to get all excited about prediction time, don't you? Yes, Ollie? can't wait. Just before we start, we should say that we work for environmental charities, um, but these are our silly little views, not theirs. So um, if you've got any beef, have some beef with us, not them. So, Sustainababble of the Week. Every week we have a little look at the nonsense that's been spoken in the world of green. Um, And we tear it to shreds. We have a little pop at it. And this week we have got Earth Day. Earth Day, not just Earth Hour, as we were saying in the introduction, but fully 24 hours constituting one whole Earth Day. And apparently, it was yesterday, we're recording this on on the Thursday, apparently it was Wednesday, the 22nd. Did you know that? I I didn't, and I... I'm not sure whether or not that reflects badly on me. So we do work for environmental charities, and I think it's fairly safe to say I had no idea it was Earth Day at all. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone around me had an idea it was Earth Day. And I, I, I kind of, I'm not, are we right not to have had an idea or what? what is it? Well, I, th- I think we might be. And um, where I was sat at about three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, one poor soul piped up and said, hey, everyone, did you know it's Earth Day? And a chorus of self-righteous environment types went, every day is Earth Day and all carried on with their work. Um, and <laughs> it was a nice little vignette of what it's like to um, to work where we do. But I thought it had, you know, had a point. We're all slaving away trying to make a difference to the environment. And just because someone somewhere has decided that the 22nd of April is Earth Day, it doesn't mean we're going to then try extra hard. Maybe we should do what footballers do and, and try 110%. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the reasons, so I had to go away and look this up, uh, what Earth Day Earth Day is. Um, and one of the reasons I've never heard of it is because it comes from America and therefore should be treated with immense uh, suspicion and distrust. And when I looked into it some more... <laughs> what, other, what other things do you distrust from America? Um, Bruce Springsteen? Barney the Dinosaur. Don't trust it as far as I could throw it. What is it? It's not even a dinosaur. I don't think dinosaurs are that colour. I don't trust it. Uh, World Series? I don't trust the World Series. And in fact, actually, the World Series is a very good example of what's going on here because Earth Day seems to be a thing that is kind of massive in America, like uh. baseball, um, but isn't really very massive, despite them trying to claim that it is anywhere else like baseball and so the americans have kind of done like baseball they've kind of done the thing and said look this is the whole earth this is the whole world having a day um, about the whole world and actually it's only really them that that care about it but they do seem it's quite a big deal i think 
over there yeah. from what I've seen. So I've seen a little video of Tim Cook, the boss of Apple, doing a dance with Pharrell Williams. And, um, we're saved. It, it we're saved, yeah. And, you know, various, uh, the Google Doodle did an Earth Day theme. Uh, true. Um, you know, one of its little, little animated things. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's quite a big deal. And what it, it goes back to this thing, I think it goes back to the proper peace and love, very end of the 60s. Um, and I was, I was reading about it on our good friend Wikipedia, source of all knowledge, um, which t- said that it came from this desire to have a teaching at universities about environmentalism. Um, and for some reason, they chose this sort of time in 1970. It was after, you know, after that famous image of the Earth had sort of, you know, transformed the way that everyone thinks mm, about Earth the environment. And, yeah, and you'd had the 60s and all of that sort of stuff. And and the, the beginning of the environmental movement was kind of happening. And so, uh, whatever it is, 45 years ago, they got a, a bunch of people got together in American colleges and held a day. And it's kind of grown ever since then. And there was um, some wonderful stuff i mean this is the sort imagine the uh the boss of the un who's the boss of the un these days uh banky uh, moon banky moon banky banky moon and in 1971 the boss of the un who appeared to only have a bit of a name he appeared to be called <laughs> Ooh thant or something his, his name was Ooh, like you the letter U. Uh, uh i don't know what that is i'm probably being massively culturally insensitive but i had to just really check that it wasn't a shortening of his name but it's not it's it's uh uh, wow. And his name, cool. yeah, it, yeah. He said in 1971, he said, "Hang on, hang on. That's better." He said, "May there be only peaceful and cheerful Earth days to come for our beautiful spaceship Earth, as it continues to spin and cycle in frigid space with its warm and fragile cargo of animate life." Damn hippies! For goodness' sake. And the reason we can talk about it this week um, in this particular section is because it's not just the tie-dye wearing um, hippies that, that love Earth Day. It's it's the corporates. Oh, yes. It is the corporates. If there's one thing you can guarantee, it's that when you have a day or an hour or a minute or like planet second or uh, <laughs> ugly fish fortnight or whatever. <laughs> We've got to start that. We've got to start yeah, let's, that. Let's do it. Join us, listener. If you're up for Ugly Fish <laughs> Fortnite, sign up here. Um, it is a truth universally acknowledged that somewhere a corporation is going to try and make hideous babble out of it. Um, and we are indebted to uh, the extremely good American publication, Grist, who uh, pulled this together. So we are stealing babble from them this week. But they pulled together the eight most clueless tweets uh, <laughs> that a corporate... Uh, corporations have done about Earth Day. And um, I just love this one. This is from uh, our friends at Coca-Cola who have featured in Babble Corner before, of course, back in Mm. episode nine when we were looking at Will I Am's exceptionally expensive bags, which was a tie-up with Coca-Cola. And uh, this is what they had to say on Earth Day. Without Earth we would have to give back our award for the best beverage on Earth. Thanks, Earth. Are they taking the piss, do you think? Do you think they're actually taking the piss? Sounds <laughs> like they're taking the piss. I don't know. I wonder if the 43 people who retweeted them and the 85 people who favourited them think they're taking the piss. I think they're taking the piss. 
Yeah, there's two scenarios, isn't there? And I don't like either of them. Scenario one is that Coca-Cola are taking the piss and they're seeing Earth Day as a thing you take the piss out of. And I just invite you to imagine what would happen if there was, uh, I don't know, uh, oppressed minorities day and Coca-Cola came out and did a sarcastic tweet about it and see how far <laughs> that got them. The, alter- the alternative, uh, scenario two, is that they're not taking the piss and they really do think that the Earth Day exists for them to thank Earth for existing, for them to turn into fizzy drinks and and however many uh, empire state building sized piles of bottles every year um, to sell to people one, one of those two scenarios is right they're both horrific and they both show basically why uh, the sooner a great big hole opens up into which Coca-Cola and everyone who drinks it falls the better ooh golly okay you ever drunk Coca-Cola? no <laughs> have you ever told a lie? No. Right. Shall we move on? (laughs) So this week, the meat in our delicious Sustainable Sandwich is nationalism. Mm. Mm. Sexy, sexy nationalism. Mm. This isn't going to annoy anyone at all, is it, doing this? No, no. We've deliberately picked an issue on which no one has any opinions Mm. um so yeah i mean the reason i really want to talk about it is because um there in the uk there has been a fairly extraordinary period of of politics over the last six months or so um the referendum in scotland saw certainly um well the scottish national party are a nationalist party and they want independence from the rest of the uk and they very nearly got it Mm -hmm. and extraordinary levels of engagement in the political process there were achieved and a very strong sense of pride in Scotland um, was com- was coming across and um, some fairly extraordinary kind of reactions from the English press and the English political classes as well. And it was, it's very, very interesting. And it has shifted things in the UK because now that chunk of Labour seats that you could bet your bottom dollar on if you were a Labour party supporter or member up in Scotland have looked like they're going to go to the Scottish National Party. So it's fundamentally changing the outlook of of um, of the UK. And of course, this week it was, last week as you're listening to this listener, it was St George's Day, which is the English National Day, for those who don't know, um, which is when all the English flags come out and people sit on their lawns and talk about how amazing it is to be English and aren't <laughs> foreigners all sick as pigs and all that sort of stuff. So here's the thing, right? And I've, I've got thinking about this and asked a few people, and I've thought about this for a while. Is nationalism like, hooray, England is great, or hooray, America is great, or hooray China is great or whatever is that a helpful or a not helpful thing if what you're trying to do is have a nice environment and a healthy planet to live on right and my instinct has always been it's not healthy right that yeah, actually that's mine too I think that's, that's my but you know I'm not, we'll look at this a bit more but I've, I've kind of started from saying most of the big at least now anyway most of the big environmental problems that we face are global right uh not all of them yeah we talked about sort of uh, species declining in different countries and a lot of places in the developing world in particular have got local immediate environmental problems like open sewers and stuff like that right mm. but you know climate change and ocean acidification and stuff like that you know these big 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 issues are global and i kind of 
inherently think that if all if your primary thing you're thinking about is how do we protect our own bit of land our own square inch of the dog that we are the fleas that sit upon if that's the only thing you're really thinking about um then yeah um then uh you're not really going to be that interested in 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 sort of global solutions which is what you see you know which is what you see when Mm. you get these massive great climate change conferences like the one coming up in paris at the end of the year when you have a, a conference that is about how do we have a planet we can all live on where everyone goes there trying to get the best deal for their country uh no that's definitely where i've been coming from as well it also strikes me that it's it makes environmental progress incredibly fragile because it can go either way and if you look at something like the development of um, renewables industries right if you decide as governments tend to do that it's a good thing to do because it will give them a competitive edge so they look at the world and think okay maybe maybe the world is going to go for offshore wind power say and we've got a lot of coastlines so it's an opportunity for us. It's an economic opportunity for us to do it. So we'll do it because we might be able to get out there first and make more money, um, develop the skills and technologies that we can export elsewhere, right? Um, and we'll we'll get out ahead. Um, on the other hand, if the sort of politics of it change or if the horizon changes a little bit, you have things happening like you had a couple of years ago at the Conservative Party conference when the Chancellor, George Osborne, stood up and said, we will go no slower, but certainly no faster than our European colleagues in efforts to tackle climate change. And I think he even said, uh, you don't save the planet um, by putting the country out of business and got roundly applauded by the people in the room. Mm. And it it just puts efforts, these big, as you say, global and quite long-term efforts um, to tackle climate change and and similar problems um, at the behest of kind of political currents and i find that very very unhelpful and i and i think nationalism is a, has got a lot to um, to answer for on that front and the other thing you know the the other main reason i guess is that if you're looking at say take climate change for example and it is just a for example right but take climate change yeah. for example where the people in the world that are really going to be on the sharp end of it as we've talked about before are the people frankly who don't live here Right. Yeah. Who, if we're looking, yeah. say, at British or English nationalism, they're people who don't live here. There will be people you know, around the coasts or in low lying. People are going to get flooded. Right. That is going yeah. to be a thing. But the the, yeah. the, the the big chunks of people who are, for whom climate change is life or death are in developing world and frankly, in other countries. And if if your main interest is keep the foreigners out or I only care about Britain or Britishness is somehow superior. And I'm just using Britishness as an example. If that's the main thing you're interested in, you are inherently going to care less about what happens somewhere else if your country was twice the size if if your country had a bit of those countries in it you'd suddenly care about them because they'd be in your country and the whole thing's just a I, I do find the idea of national borders just a fundamentally silly thing when you stop and think about it so you remember how we were um you remember how a few episodes ago in episode 10 we were talking about how you want to kill all the grey, grey squirrels the grey the grey squirrels <laughs> the grey squirrels you remember how we were talking about the grey squirrels yeah yeah I remember the grey squirrels how you wanted to massacre them all because they weren't British yeah I wanted to massacre the grey squirrels um <laughs> Yeah, you could. You I could. Didn't t- want to- that is what you said, and you can put. Uh, you can try and take the Mickey out of me all you like. You did want to kill all the grey squirrels I with pine martins. You wanted I to wind up pine exactly. martins and point them at them. That's what you wanted to do because exactly. pine martins are British and grey squirrels. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and I think point made case closed Anyway, why don't you like grey squirrels? They're not British, so you don't like them. So you're just Listen, as guilty of this as anyone else. Well, and I bet you're one of them people, one of them, one of them idiots. <laughs> you're just not going thinks... to let me defend myself, are you? <laughs> no, and I think you're one of them idiots who buys like British tomatoes in February because you somehow think that's better than like getting them from somewhere where it's actually warm enough to grow them in February, <laughs> just because they're British, right? Right. So I, I accuse, am I accuse you of being a massive I hypocrite. I don't hate grey squirrels or grey squirrels. <laughs> uh, I just think that. Red squirrels are in a bit of a bother, right? And one of the reasons they're in a bit of a bother is because non-native species like grey squirrels are out competing them and bringing diseases and stuff. And natural predators of grey squirrels, I can't say it now, uh, like pine martins are are being reintroduced and I think that's a good thing. Right, now moving on, tomatoes. Um, No, I'm not one of those people. I think it's ludicrous. There's this sense that if it's got a Union Jack on it, it's somehow better food. It's like, ah, mm. British, mm. Mm, must be good, must be tasty. Even if, like you say, it's ludicrously out of season. I've tried to grow, tomato- grow tomatoes in uh, in my garden in Love Junction for the last two years. And little baby, you know, baby cherry tomatoes, whatever you call them. And they've just about grown, but my God, have they taken some effort. And they've come to ripeness at a, sort of halfway through October. Um, and I've had to practically shine a torch on them to get them uh, get them going so it's just you know some stuff doesn't work here so no i don't want british tomatoes gosh i got very angry about that i don't think i care about it as much as that makes it sound like i do Hang on, it's not all bad because nationalism and and that's what certainly national pride has achieved a great deal hasn't it that sort of Battle of Britain spirit, the dig for victory spirit, and something which which a lot of people in this country remain very proud of and was incredibly unifying, actually. And why can't we apply that sort of spirit to climate change? And often it is applied, it is referred to as like fighting a war, like, you know, like everyone pulling together, sacrificing a little bit for the greater good. And, and maybe that's just what we need. Yeah, I think so. And, and so I suppose the bit of it where there's reason to be a bit more cheery about it is when uh what you think of as your country's national pride what you think of what makes you british or german or whatever uh, happens to coincide with the things you need to do to sort the environment out right and there are some things like you know britain is a green and pleasant land and all of that and a, a lot of sort of conservative environmentalism comes from this idea i think could be wrong of Britishness being a sort of you know, Britain being a green and pleasant place and wanting to protect that. And if you look at Germany, where I went a couple of years ago for a, for a week or so to see how they do all their green stuff, um, there's, uh, you know, they are a famously green country, a large part of which comes from... Apart from the coal. Apart from, yeah, all right. <laughs> Crikey, <laughs> Moses. Um, apart from the coal, they are a famously green country because they, uh, you know, turn their back on nuclear power after the Second World War. And and they, the cultural reaction to the Second World War meant that they wanted to get loads of renewables and all that sort of stuff. So um, I think, what I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be bad because it could be that actually the thing that you find as a country a great deal of pride in is really helpful for tackling climate and environment problems. But mm. I'm not sure that's always the case, is it? And I think that what it is only when we as one planet actually think that the life of someone 
that we never met in a country we've never been to, maybe with you know a completely different culture to ours. So we think that life is as important as ours, as important as Mrs. Miggins who lives in the next door street or someone who lives in the north of the country you live in. It's only when we mm-hmm. actually think it's all as important as each other and that the planet is important and not you know maintaining Britishness or doing better than the French. It's only when we actually get that that we're really going to properly sort out these global challenges. And that isn't, you know, imagine if, right, an asteroid was 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 hurling towards Earth and we somehow didn't know about it um, until, you know, like, right, two weeks' time, this thing's hitting the planet. That's the sort of existential threat that you like to think would overcome national borders and that those sort of slightly artificial differences between people who were white flags and people who wear red flags um, and we would pool our resources and put the greatest minds to work and you know fix it or, or not but die gloriously um, and that's what frustrates me about climate change it is we know about it and, and lots of environmental problems we know about it but we're still as we said at the beginning of this section going into the negotiation saying yeah it's important that we fix this but what's my country going to get out of it and that's i've come full circle we've had a little look at the kind of weather nationalism's good but i don't think it is good i think it's i think it's screwed election news right election news and um serious serious face now um because millie fandom is a thing Millie fandom, hashtag Millie fandom. This is the phenomenon whereby 17-year-old girls declare their undying love for Ed Miliband um, in like a genuinely creepy and obsessive way. It's hysterical. As, are they serious, these 17-year-old girls? Is it a real well, thing or are they taking the piss? Well, apparently, I mean, the person, I think her name's Abby, and she's not sure she's, she entirely wanted the uh, attention that she's now had in the last 24 hours, but my word, she got it. But she, she said she started out kind of ironically saying how much she loved Emily Band, and then, and then started to believe it, and is now her and her, her army of Millie fans are, um, are properly head over heels, gaga in love with the, the poor guy. It's a weird election. And another example of its weirdness, which happened today, is an article in The Independent in which the Green Party are accused of of ignoring climate change during their campaign. And the first paragraph says, scientists and campaigners have rounded on the Green Party by accusing it of turning its back on its main mission by largely ignoring the crucial issue of climate change and a run-up to the general election. So the, the Green Party are getting accused of not being green enough in the general election when, as far as I can tell, for the last 20 years or so, everyone's been accusing them of only having one issue to bang on about. This is weird. Yeah, damned if they do and damned if they don't, don't they? Perhaps if they had fewer than 42,918 words in their manifesto, <laughs> they might not confuse themselves so much, bless them. And in slightly more trivial news, uh, the Scottish National Party brought out their manifesto. The, the thing that really struck me, do you remember when you were at school and you had to have your school photo taken... Um, they put you in front of a really odd sort of brown kind of sick coloured background. And I, I guess it's meant to sort of be completely neutral um, and, and emphasise the person having your picture taken. Well, that's what they've done on the front of the S&P manifesto. It's very odd. Have a look at it. Um, we'll send a link out, but have a look at it. It's, it's just like the school photos. That's my um, political That's your insight, is it? So you're not bothered about the fact that the S&P... 
manifesto managed to simultaneously say loads of really good stuff about renewable energy whilst also pledging that it wanted to get just about every last drop of oil and gas out of the North Sea that it possibly could. You're not interested in talking about that at all? Well, I think that's a minor issue. It's a side sideshow, really, isn't it? No, it is. It is a big deal, isn't it? And we talked last week about the Conservatives saying in consecutive lines, we want to have the most cost effective renewable energy and then saying we won't have the cheapest one, i.e. onshore wind. And it's a little bit like that, isn't it? It's like, yay, we want loads and loads of renewable. 100% of their electricity is to be met with renewables, right? But they're also going to dig up and explore a huge amount of fossil fuels. And it's what do you, you know what do you take from that other than well i suppose one of the things you take from it and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier is what's going on here is scottish jobs and scottish jobs obviously are hugely dependent a lot of them up in aberdeen on the oil and gas sector you can't be mm. playing... second richest city in the uk is that right after london yeah. um and you can't really be banging the drum for how great scotland is if you're not doing something about the oil and gas industry. So I suppose it's one of the many reasons why nationalism is simultaneously helpful because they've got a vision of Scotland that's all powered by renewables um, and unhelpful because at the moment Scotland's so dependent on oil and gas that you have to be talking about how great oil and gas is. Inhofe of the week. Right, Inhofe of the week time. Uh, Inhofe is Senator Jim Inhofe who is a really complete and utter nasty toe rag in the American Senate and we have a section named after him where every week we identify the most beastly rotter who has done the most egregiously awful thing and this week uh, it is I'm I'm pleased to finally welcome into Inhofe Corner a man called Dr. (laughs) Benny Pizer Um, and Dr. Pizer who I'm going to call Dr. Tizer from now on um, is one of those very nice thank you very much is one of those little handful of people what get wheeled out whenever uh, some climate sceptic news story is trying to get itself covered, right? So that there yeah. aren't many of them. We had uh, uh, quite a few episodes ago, we talked about Willie Soon, Dr. Willie Soon being one of these people who turns up. And uh, Dr. Pizer is another one. Dr. Tizer mm. uh, is another <laughs> one. Um, and on Earth Day, which uh, we have talked about, 22nd of April, um, Dr. Tizer had a story in the Daily Express where he said... Um, actually, do you know what? The, if we double the amount of carbon dioxide we emit, uh, we'll still be fine. We still won't reach this fabled two-degree target. It's all a load of old rubbish, right? Um, You've got to love the timing, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Happy Earth Day, everyone. Yeah, yeah. It must. Inf- could you imagine, though? It must infuriate these people. Like, the fact that people care about the planet. If you think, If you think the planet is, like, a horrible, awful thing to be trampled underneath industry, as a lot of these people think, right? You must detest Earth Day. We, we sit around debating, ha-ha, isn't it babble, isn't it not babble, right? You, it must really wind you up. It must, like, <laughs> yeah. you, must, you wake up in the morning turquoise with anger and and just decide, I don't know what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell the Daily Express that global warming isn't happening and the temperatures haven't risen for 18 years, right? Which is rubbish. They have, right? And and that the carbon dioxide isn't warming the earth. Rubbish. It is. All the heat's going into the oceans, right? And this, this stuff is so easy to debunk. And of course, because it's the Daily Express, it gets debunked in a couple of paragraphs right at the end, right? But you know who debunked it? 
Who debunked it? A professor of climate change at the University of Leeds said, no, everything Dr. Tizer is saying is wrong. Uh, even if we don't increase carbon dioxide emissions, we're still going over two degrees um, and climate change is warming. Do you, know, uh, do you know who isn't a climate change scientist? Uh, what you and I accepted? Yeah, we're not climate change scientists. My mum isn't a climate change scientist and Arabella is not a climate change scientist. Also, yes. not yet, although she probably knocked that one off by the time she's 10, won't she? <laughs> also not a climate change scientist is Dr. Tizer, whose PhD is in cultural studies and who is previously a lecturer in sport and exercise science at the University of John Moores in Liverpool and who has not only quite proud of the fact that he's not a climate scientist, he says he has never claimed to be one. Shut up then. Prediction time. So, prediction time. Can you hear this? Yes, yes. You see it? Yes, 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 yes. I can see what you're doing, you gleeful little monkey. Rubbing my hands in glee. The scores are currently one all at the moment. Listener, if you're unaware what we're talking about, every week we whack our crystal balls on the table, peer into them and try to work out what's going to happen next week in a world of environment and politics. And so far, we've not been very good at getting our predictions right, have we, Dave? No, not very good at all. But that has been and gone and changed because Ollie got Mm. one right. Ollie predicted this don't believe that this is everything that the parties have got to say on the environment. So between now and the next episode, at least one of the major political parties will release something which they're calling something like their environment manifesto or their green plan or something. And it happened, didn't it? It certainly did. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank my agent and I'd like to thank God. Yeah, so thank the person at the Labour Party who told you about it. That's what you should thank. Um, (laughs) But yeah, anyway, so what was There was a green plan. They came out with a green plan. plan, um, Not a green manifesto, apparently, but a green plan. And it, um, yeah, as far as I know, it's the only one of the major parties who have so far done or are planning to do a separate document all about what they'll do for energy and climate change and the natural world. And it was all right. Um, wasn't a huge amount in there that they hadn't sort of said at other stages. But that's not the point. For the purposes of this podcast, they did what I said they were going to do. 1-0. No, 2-1. <sighs> right, so my turn. And I'm sick of making these broad brush predictions that never happen. So I'm going to go for something out of the old school of alarmingly specific. I'm going to see how I get on. It's the London Marathon on Sunday, as you may know. I do. Which is a very long race, twice as long as the one you ran and banged on about, like as if you'd done something <laughs> heroic, right? Do you know what I've just realised? I've just realised that is going to make a terrible mess of my moving house plan. <laughs> <laughs> it probably rather is, isn't it? Oh. Don't try and take a shortcut across London, will you? I think, yes. Oh. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. carry on. Well, the other thing that I think is my prediction is that you know how when they have it on the telly, they have interviews with people dressed as rhinos and dressed as, you know, d- dressed as anvils and dressed as Rolf Harris. So they're probably not so much of that anymore, eh? Um, I think they're going to have... A- <laughs> yeah, the Jimmy Savile crowd is thinning noticeably these days. It's rather, isn't it? But I think there's going to be an interview broadcast on the telly with somebody dressed as a planet Earth. That's what I Ooh. reckon. I think it's go- or uh, No, you know what? Actually, I'm slightly refining that. I think there is going to be... A visible coverage of someone running the London Marathon dressed as a planet Earth, right? And I haven't got 
any insider knowledge genuinely on this. I just think it's the sort of thing that's going to happen because everyone's going a bit weird about the planet at the moment. Okay, so that is just about it for Sustainer Babble 15. In the bag, in the can. Done. 15 episodes down. Thank you, listener. Uh, Thank you, Dickie Moore, for your theme music, which we continue to use and we're very, very grateful for. Thank you for all our new army of fans who uh, listened to the Manifesto edition from last week. Still available. Go and check it out where we run through the party manifestos. Thank you for anyone who got in touch via uh, Twitter at The Babble Wagon on our Facebook page or email at hello at sustainababble.fish. And thank you to iTunes for this week. They put us on the front page of their little podcast store thing, um, which is unbelievably exciting. So, um, yeah, well, I don't know who I'm thanking, really, but Mr. iTunes. I have a suspicion that a a computer had done it. Microsoft Excel done it. Thank you, Arabella, as always. Much less for her to do this week than last week. But thank you, Arabella. Very good. All right, have a lovely week, Dave. I shall see you on the other side. See you on the other side. Good luck with the move and try not to accidentally take part in a 26-mile foot race just because it happens to be in the way of your moving. Okay, bye. Bye.